You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Mike Santagata, Lindsey Patterson here. What's going on, Mike? Nothing. It's it's the grind until April, right? We are. Yeah. I am grinding college stuff nonstop, hitting the black market because they don't have a real place for you to find coaches film and also going to YouTube because even my sources don't have Syracuse film. So I'll eventually get there. Well... I'm grateful that the NFL Combine is this week. And for me personally, I'm not going to grind the tape and watch it all weekend. I'm going to take the Cliff Notes version over on Twitter when people just tell me what I need to know. Give me the quick notes, tweets, videos, photos. The funny thing about grinding like the Combine, I watch it for the fun factor sometimes. But have you ever seen the guy who goes there and the 40s laser timed? But he stands there one eye closed, one eye open with his stopwatch and does it himself. Have you never I seen that guy? No, I'm going to pay attention this weekend when the he's replay. Like an, yeah, he's like an 80-year-old guy, and he does that, and I am amazed every time. It's like, how how much – and I guess a lot of scouts do it for some reason. But, like, what's the difference? You know, like, I'm watching that guy. They're all on the laser time. I don't what, – what's this for? <laughs> what are we doing here? I just, wish- work harder, not smarter. <laughs> 100 it's 2023 but one of my favorite things about the combine and you see it on social media all the media members that are there all they talk about is going to the steakhouse and chatting oh with all God. the different people like i we could probably go on there right now and find a million tweets saying gotta go to st elmo's gotta go here gonna you know and just different stories will come out the next day because they see coaches and scouts there uh, but hey credit to them they're just trying to get uh more relationships and in indie before uh you know the nfl draft starts so i'm excited because we heard from zach taylor and duke tobin and duke tobin for me a little surprising today one of the things i like about duke tobin is we, we mentioned before we were recording he's a pretty honest guy uh but he doesn't always say everything that we you know maybe we want him to say during the combine week and he was asked about a couple players and i want to start with t higgins first because that's been a hot topic this offseason i mean nfl insiders are writing about it i think albert breer had a piece the other day talking about the Bengals. we're all bored they're, we are bored. You're right. We are extremely bored of Higgins over pretty much, you know, any other player that's under contract right now because T. Higgins is under contract. And any, I think a lot of people forget about that. But Duke Tobin was asked about it. And he pretty much was like, look, I'm not in the business to make other teams better. He's said that before. That is one of his quotes that we always hear when it comes from Duke Tobin. And I truly feel the Bengals front office feels that way. Look, in the future, the, the extension talks are happening now. They'll probably gonna, they're probably going to happen going into next offseason if they don't get done, of course, this year. But one of the things that he said is, hey, look, they can go find their own receiver. 
<laughs> and I loved that because it, we just hear these stories, they're recycled by other people on social media. And it's really kind of exhausting to hear, to think this guy's going to be under contract for the Cincinnati Bengals next year, and he will be playing in Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, right or wrong, they were always keeping T. Higgins this year, and they're probably keeping him next year. I They are not a team. There are teams out there like this. I can think of the Chiefs and Packers just did it. And I think years ago, the Texans did this with DeAndre Hopkins. And, well, I guess the Chiefs got talked into it because they requested a trade. Uh, Tyreek Hill did. But, you know, there's teams that will trade a guy, maximize the value. You probably hear that. We need to get, you know, a first-round pick for this guy type thing. Right or wrong, the Bengals don't feel that way about guys they want to keep. They probably would do this about Jesse Bates because to them right here, they're fine getting the comp pick later. And then using those guys to compete now, I feel like that's just missing. Like there's only one school of thought and it's maximize trade value, maximize value. If you try to trade them on the tag, you won't get two first round picks. They don't care. <laughs> like it, it's just, I understand that thought process, but it's not the only argument here. The other argument is we just went to a Super Bowl and an AFC championship game. We are not a better team even with the first overall pick. Now, I'm not saying they would turn down the first overall pick for T. Higgins, but even with that, even with Jalen Carter or Will Anderson or trading down and drafting whoever you love, they're not a better team with those rookies than they are with T. Higgins. They might be better for the future, but it's something we've talked about. It's something I believe in. Pay your blue chip players because I don't care that $100 million will go to the two wide receivers and a quarterback every year because those are the best players. Why am I paying worse pay players just to get different positions in there? I'm paying my blue chip guys, and I'm worrying about filling the other stuff later because there's a bigger drop-off from whoever. Uh, you could think, well, they're not going to pay Jonah Williams after that last year. <laughs> but just other, even if they were going to bring a guy, Orlando Brown, the, the drop-off from Orlando Brown to the guy that they could get somewhere else for less money is bigger than the drop-off they would get from T Higgins to whoever they were trying to replace him with because T Higgins is a better player than Orlando Brown. And it's the same contract. I don't know why that one's okay. It's okay to give up a hundred million dollars to a left tackle quarterback and wide receiver because they're different positions compared to doing it for the better player. But that's enough of my rant. I am glad they do this because I agree with this one. Uh, if T Higgins was saying, no, I want out, I want this. They might actually listen and trade him, but when he wants to stay, and even if it looks a little bleak because it's David Mulligetta as his agent, it doesn't mean he can't be extended. And I think the Bengals agree that they're going to try their hardest to keep him. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the most important things, you could even go back to last year when this past season, when they were without Jamar Chase and T Higgins stepped up because you had another number one receiver. This team went three and one. And I still- hundred yards is what he was on pace for. Yeah, absolutely incredible T Higgins to step up out there and, you know, having him on the field is a huge difference maker. And that's, a, that's important in this window for a team that is playing with a rookie contract and Joe Burrow, even if Joe Burrow is extended this offseason, which I feel like is going to happen, that's not going to impact what the money really looks like going into the 2023 and 2024 season, you know, start talking 25, 26, that's going to look a little different on the books. But personally, like this team doesn't want to lose a wide receiver one. They have two on, and that, and that's, you know, the other 31 teams that missed out on T Higgins in the 2020 draft, the Bengals drafted him first pick in the second round. Everyone else had a shot 
and they decided to go against drafting. And I'm sure if there was a redraft, T Higgins, if there was a redraft in 2020, does T Higgins go in the top 10? Yeah. Green Bay? No, no, Green Bay wouldn't have been Green in the Bay top wouldn't, 10. Wouldn't have been there. I mean, I would take him over CD Lamb. And I feel like that's blasphemy to some, but T Lamb, no. slot guy, a tiny bit more replaceable. He's very good. But what T. Higgins can do on the outside is more impressive to me, especially because he has that sink. He has that route running. He's not just a contested catch guy. He does everything. I think I would take him over CD as the number one wide receiver in that draft. So, I mean, I can't think who else. There's tough questions, but like after you get past, I need the list in front of me. Uh, That wouldn't be the wide receiver one because Justin Jefferson, clearly wide receiver one, looks just. That's clearly the number one. He's going top three, <laughs> probably after the two quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, when you get to the top 10, like it's not as strong of a draft class as I think people thought it would be. I'd take T Higgins over Chase Young. I'd take him over quite a few guys. I, I don't know. Like uh, when I'm looking at that in my mind, easily top 10, probably just outside the top five, like pick seven. I don't know who that was, but sure. Give him T Higgins in a redraft. One of my favorite things we kind of heard going into the the Chargers. Sorry, I was just thinking out loud. I was like, I think Justin Herbert might have been pick seven. I am Googling this. I am sorry for interrupting you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Now I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe it was. But one of my favorite things about the 2022 season going into it, you know, Bengals fans would say, oh, they have two top 10 receivers on on their roster. And then the NFL fans would be like, no, T. Higgins isn't a top 10 wide receiver. When you look at all the NFL receivers in the league, where are you ranking T right now? Uh, he's got a top 10 feel. Like, is he actually in the top 10? I don't know. By the way, pick seven, Carolina, right after the Chargers. So, Carolina could use him, sure. Anyway, sure. Uh, the I don't know if I could find the exact top 10 wide receivers and let that work. But in my mind, if you just ask me, like, yeah, sure, top 10 wide receiver. He, he feels that way. He's got that tier, vibe, whatever. He's a high end or, well, he's a wide receiver one. And I think easily make the case for top 10 like him or Amari Cooper you could fight either way on it that's probably the back yeah. end of the top 10 him or Jalen Waddle I don't know whoever you want to argue there uh, we're not putting I, Amari over him <laughs> I don't think I would but it, you know it's on my mind of like guys who might be in the back end of a top 10 list Mike Evans or T Higgins I don't know like you could argue either way mm-hmm yeah, no, I like that comparison. Uh, also want to talk about Joe Mixon because we heard from Zach Taylor today and Duke Tobin. Joe Mixon currently under contract for the Cincinnati Bengals for the 2023 season. We've talked about it plenty when it comes to his contract. Are they going to pay him $12 million? Are they going to restructure or are they or, or will they cut him? And it pretty much sounded like from Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor, look, we don't know right now. We don't know what the future of the running back room looks like. For me, that was a little surprising. Yes, Samaj P. Ryan isn't under contract right now, but Joe Mixon is still on the roster. And they just, it sounded more confident about some other players on the roster than it did Joe Mixon. Were you surprised with, with Duke Tobin's comments? Yeah. Surprised, not shocked. I think is how I would say that Um, to be open about it. Like this is kind of what we thought, right? I don't know if he's going to be on the roster because what if Bijan Robinson falls to us and then you don't want to have the first round running back with paying a running back that much type deal. So I get that, but to say it openly is all right. (laughs) I, I just, uh, I'm surprised. I think if you cut him, though, in my gut, I say you cut him before the draft. 
but I don't know. Like I get the argument for after the point of cutting him though, is it to save money and cap for, you know, um, extensions and whatnot, because cap hits are usually lowered from an extension or is it just because of the resource value and then you get to roll more money in the next year. So that makes sense. And then the third one is you cut him so that you can have more money to play with in free agency. That's what I think would be the main reason. So that's why I would say you probably cut him earlier, but I don't know. It's also hard because he's a starting caliber running back and a good one at that. I, I forgot it's high price tag that I think people I think the Bengals are struggling with. So you won't have a starting running back if you cut him now. Like they don't see Travion Williams or Chris Evans as starting running backs or even running backs that should take a hundred snaps. They see them as special teams guys. So I don't think they would cut him in the next week, but I don't know. Maybe I, I don't see it happening. I think if they do cut him, it would be because something happened in the draft and they have a guy they want to make the lead, the lead horse now. But it was interesting. I was surprised by the comment just to be so open about it. And I guess it is better to be open about it and talk about it like that than it is to try to say Joe Mixon is our starting running back. And then a guy falls to you and you go, well, sorry, Joe. Well, it was funny because the Tampa GM actually kind of did a similar situation. Yeah, talking, with uh, Fournette. <laughs> like maybe 30 minutes later to an hour later. They were cutting, he, yeah, they were cutting him 30 minutes after he said. I mean, he knew okay. that was going to happen. So I was a little a little surprised by that comment. But yeah, they were really honest about it. And that's going to be the huge topic of conversation. Me personally, I don't think they cut him until after the draft and maybe it is before June maybe you know the, the factor of the is it two to three million dollar difference if they cut him in June versus cutting him prior you to can June also designate a post June 1st cut so like you cut him now and say we're doing this June 1st put in the paperwork you save the extra money whatever they don't always do that though I, I don't think that's in the Bengals history too much yeah, I, I think if anything, you are having those conversations. You're being honest with Joe Mixon. I mean, if you're you're talking like this at a combine behind the scenes, you're probably going to be completely honest to the running back of his future in Cincinnati. I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I'm going to be really surprised if they restructure his contract. I think they ask him. You're going to they go in the room and say, "You want to take a pay cut?" And if he says no, then maybe they decide you're going to be cut if you don't make this amount of money. Because the thing is, the free agency class for the running back room it feels pretty loaded. Personally, as guys, you can. Yeah, so I don't know about the Joe Mixon replacement. In that, like, is a Devin Singletary a replacement that's cheaper? Maybe. One guy I'm liking more. I look at it, and he's older, so they might not go for it. But I think Jarek McKinney gives you a little bit of that P Ryan around the same cost with explosion. He's not going to be as good in pass protection, but he was the Chiefs pass protection back. Everybody just mentions Pacheco as if he was taking 500 snaps this year. Well, sorry, a 1,000 snaps this year. He might have taken 500. But, you know, he wasn't full-time. He was the running running back, you know, the rushing running back. They still brought in McKinnon as the passing down back, and he took that job from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who was a first-round pick. He's still pretty good, and he's explosive. I saw him catch multiple 50-plus-yard touchdowns. That's something this this Bengals team was missing in the passing game. It's something that you're like, P. Ryan might be the best pass protection back in the entire NFL, but you dump him the ball and he's got six yards in front of him. He's getting seven, maybe six yards, seven yards. You know, he'll hit the guy and fall forward eight yards, but he's not going to take that and go 70 yards. 
And that's something I think McKinnon could give you. The only issue is injury history and age. So that's the one guy that I'm liking a little bit in this class. I think he's cheap. I think he fits the P Ryan mold because there's two ways to go about building the running back in the Bengals room. I think it's to get a B John Robinson built in a lab, take every snap and then just have a guy come in for a few snaps. uh, So he doesn't kill himself out there. And then there's also the split, which is what they did, but to add the explosive element, they have that split. It made sense. It worked, but let's just add a little bit of, a little let's just add a habanero pepper in there (laughs) let's make this a little spicy let's 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 let burrow check the ball down and let the guy run 50 yards because there is probably nothing better for a quarterback to throw a six yard pass and watch the guy go 50 yards for a touchdown let's go whoo that was easy so now i'm looking for pass protection can you catch a ball all that in my running in my running back room when you look at these free agents or maybe they get it in the draft i'm, I'm hoping a few guys maybe fall at 28 only one um i just watched a mock draft from the nfl network before we jumped on here and robinson was going to the chargers and i don't like anything about that so. <laughs> i wonder what they're doing i'm not in charger land so i wonder if eckler is actually like a, a guy they're looking at like well maybe we can get cheaper because i don't see him as a ton better than mixon although he can pass protect a bit not a ton, but a bit, and he's a better, well, mixed a good receiver. So I'm not going to say anything there, but, you know, I, I wonder if the, these type of talks happen elsewhere where in my mind, which is probably what people think when they see Bengals, they see mix and they go, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> are they, are, are people in the Chargers room having this debate about, can we get cheaper at running back and draft B. John Robinson who can fit everything type thing? He's a modern running back. This is why I don't think Robinson makes it. And I'm only, I'm almost calling his floor the Buccaneers because you could easily see that they're like pick 19 it matches value it matches need it matches what they want to be could easily see that he's not going to make it to 28 and i'm all about him now and that's unfortunate so i'm going to act like he's not even available he's going to top 10 on the board he's gone uh but we'll see i'm really pumped for draft night almost um two months away it's almost here uh exciting stuff a month and a half yeah, I was definitely uh, like, wait a minute, it's February 28th. It's technically still February for a day. So yeah, you know, maybe I'm in I'm in my February mode. We're almost there. We're almost there. It's almost time for draft day. And speaking of the draft, I know you've been watching a lot of tackles. We're going to get to that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. Welcome 
We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It is the Bengals underscore stands breakdown. You've been watching all the position groups and offensive line. We should be talking about offensive line. You're watching the tackle room. Tell me everything about the tackle prospects. All right. Skipping past Paris Johnson and Pierce Skronsky, who won't be there. And I mean, I caught Paris Johnson as I watched Dewan Jones and I just kind of went, yeah, it looks like a first round tackle. <laughs> like, I didn't watch it much. I was just like, yeah, sure. Last year I was intrigued because there was three guys and they're very different. So I watched them, even though I knew there was no shot since he got one. But uh, yeah, I've watched, I think everybody they could take at 28 and the highest rated uh, prospect by you know, mock drafts and big boards and whatnot right now that could go there is Broderick Jones. I don't see it happening. I think he goes before that. A lot of potential, raw. Um, those are the – and there's different levels to that. I think he's closer to playing than another guy I'll talk about later. But he would be great to the Bengals because he could sit a year. And I think that's going to scare some people because that's what they said about Cedric Ogboy. <laughs> it's like, hey, he could sit a year and learn. But – you know, Broderick, he gives up his chest a lot. Not good as an offensive lineman. That's your head as a boxer. They hit you there. They control the fight. So he needs to learn to make first contact himself. He's long. He's long enough and he's athletic and he's got, and he's really strong. So like, that's three things you're really looking for in a guy. And I think he does have some of the, you don't see it on first glance. His, his pass game footwork, I think is better than it seems they just like to um, short set because they get these tight rushers. So you're not going to really set out really far to get those guys in the NFL. You're going to have to do that from time to time. They're going to put miles Garrett out there in, you know, seven yards away from you and you have to find a way to get to them. But in college, I mean, those guys are inside him a lot of the time or they're right outside him. So he just has to kind of just barely move. And we'll get to why I think that helps some other players a little bit later. But yeah, he's interesting. I don't think he falls there. I think he would be a great pick. He's got a first round grade for me. And the only guy I think I'm going to talk about that has a clear first round grade from me in uh, that I think they could take there. So he matched his need. He would probably have to sit a year and he's not a right tackle. Um, I think he played a little bit of right tackle, but he's not your right tackle of the future. And I would probably rather he just plays left tackle and trains there rather than tries to play right tackle and then switch back over to left because that can get dicey. So that's the first guy I watched. He's from Georgia. Does that sound like a guy you'd want to take at 28? You're convincing me every week of a guy. I'm like, oh, definitely 28. If he's there, make sure they get him. I'm just nervous when it comes to the offensive line class because we've had past drafts, and I don't know why the 2021 one will always sting so much about the Jackson Carmen pick. And, you know, it's unfortunate because of all the guys they could have drafted before Jackson Carmen and they didn't get him. Uh, But I think about that. And this one just, and you can tell me I'm completely wrong. I don't want to be in a situation when you bring up Cedric Oboehi, it, it brings back a little PTSD because of how they drafted. And I'm not even down on the Jake Fisher pick. I, unfor- that was kind of unfortunate. Maybe that could have possibly worked out if injuries and I don't know, that just didn't work out. But Cedric Oboehi was obviously going to be the future and it felt like a reach for this team. I don't want to be in a position at the offensive line group where they are reaching at 28, if another best player available is there, if it's defense, if it's offense, if it's tied in, I don't want to reach for, for O-line, it's, especially if they're not even going to be starting the season and it's more development. I'm cool with the second, third round developmental 
offensive lineman for the future because you do need to think about Jonah's replacement and you don't have a right tackle right now. But, you know, I just – why can't why can't Paris just fall all the way to 28 <laughs> to stay in Ohio? Yeah, there is – I don't see a shot of that happening. Um, some other guys that I think get mocked there and are interesting – I have second round grades on all of these guys, but the first one is Darnell Wright from Tennessee. I think the rushers being tight help him because he doesn't seem that confident when he has to get out to a guy that can really get off the ball and be wide outside of him. I saw him skip once, which was wild. I've never seen a guy use the same, (laughs) like usually see him, you know, it's one foot then the other, right? This guy like jumped on the same foot twice to try to get out there. (laughs) I was like, I've never seen that. That guy's not confident in what he can do. And maybe that's coaching, but I think it's a little bit of athleticism. And even if he tests really well, I think offensive linemen can kind of, you know, if they're really good at what, at knowing to run the 40, to know how to do the three cone, to know how to do the short shuttle. I don't think everybody that is in an offensive lineman offensive line room is i think of Kenyon green last year he bombed the combine and i didn't think he was a terrible athlete and zion johnson i thought was an okay athlete and he ends up as one of the best in the draft so ignoring that i think he's an okay athlete i don't think he's great at that and he misses a bit in the run game but he's very strong he actually reminds me of lyle collins not as good as the cowboys one but not as much of a broken right tackle as the Bengals one that's not against Collins that's I think his back is really injured and he can't sustain things so that's what he reminds me of he's top heavy he's got really strong hands he mixes up his pass protection team techniques a lot I think he's a bit of a high floor pass protection guy and you could throw him in there and play him year one that's what I think the benefit is here I don't know what the ceiling is because I just don't see him as a great athlete If he becomes really good technically in the run game, I think his power will take over and maybe he can be up to what Lyle Collins was in Dallas, but it's tough. I think he can come into the league as at least an average pass protector and get better from there, but it's dicey. What what is that worth? Like, Is that value a first-round pick? Because to me, I'd rather have any of the tight ends I watched, I think, than have a guy that I know can play year one, but I don't know what the ceiling is. But maybe that's what the Bengals need because they take these guys that are high potential, low floor, and they don't get them to become the high potential guys. Although I will say also Frank Pollock, he's had one decently high pick, and it was Jackson Carmen, which was by most accounts a reach. Uh, so I, I don't think he's had the ball of clay to work with that is a uh, – any of these guys, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, and then I'm going to talk about Dewan Jones, Anton Harrison, and Jalen Duncan as well. I just, I will say this, and I think that they get a draft, and I, I can't wait to hear about the other three. The one thing about this front office when it comes to offensive linemen, look, they can get wide receivers all the time. They find them, they're good at it. But when it comes to offensive linemen over the past 15 years, I just trust them to buy their free agents. And I know Lyle Collins really didn't work out, but I still felt like it was a pretty cheap deal for your right tackle position. And unfortunately, he was just injured all season. But for me personally, I, I, I'm really intrigued to see what Cincinnati does in the draft when it comes to offensive linemen. Will it be a late pick? Will it be a second or third round? But you have other second round grades for this team. Who's up there or for this position? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one on my list, uh, and I'm going in order of how I graded them. Uh, another second round grade was Dewan Jones. Very, very long. He's the Ohio State right tackle. He's a right tackle only, I think. 
surprisingly athletic. He's like six foot eight and 350 pounds, huge dude arms. I think he broke the record for wingspan. So longest from fingertip to fingertip across the, across him. So he's very long. He could scratch his calf standing up. Uh, but I didn't see the power I wanted to see in the run game. Like sometimes it was there, but for being like 350, 360 pounds, I thought he was going to abuse these guys, especially because he can move, but he didn't do it as much as I thought he would. But I think as a pass protector, he comes with a high floor similar to Darnell Wright, just because he's so big, he's so long, and he knows what he's doing. He got better throughout the year. I think that's really promising is that he started off not great as a pass protector. And then, and I know I had him as like a day three after the first game I watched, and then I'm watching more, I'm watching more. I'm like, oh, he's get, he's getting better. Because I watched the Notre Dame game. It was the season opener first. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. And then watch more is why you watch multiple games. And like, okay, he, he got better throughout the year. He was able to what his issue is, is he doesn't keep his weight down the middle on the midline, as it's called. And so he can get off balance one way or the other. So that's really his issue in pass protection that can lead to him getting off balance. And the guy goes inside or he doesn't is able to reach outside and the guy can go around him. Nobody's really going through him, although it did happen a couple of times, even though he's 350, 360 pounds because he was off balance. It wasn't because he's weak is because he's off balance and gets hit stand on one foot and have somebody push you and you're probably not staying up. So that's uh that's the Dewan Jones one. I think I am I don't have a ton of time so I'm just going to do the other two real quick. Anton, Anton Harrison I found really interesting. I don't know if I've watched enough games. I only watched two games that I had um but I I I've, I think he's strong. But I have questions about him in pass protection. He's a left tackle for Oklahoma and He's just his feet are wide when he makes contact. Sometimes his feet stop on contact. He's really smart. I think he processes things really well. But yeah, he can get stood up. He it, it's just I think there's a bit there. His hands are usually wide, um, and he gives up his chest, similar to Broderick Jones, except Broderick's more a better athlete and I think a little bit stronger. He's a he's a project a little bit. I think he has to get a little bit stronger with his anchor. And his ability to handle power and keep his hands inside and not keep them wide so that people can hit him. But he's interesting. I, I give him a second round grade because he's not a clean evaluation for me. I don't see that as a first round pick if I don't see them as a clear, this guy is going to come in he's going to be good. And the last one is Jalen Duncan, who currently in mock drafts, I think is going to like the third or fourth round. I think he climbs and he's just so athletic. You can't teach the way he gets off the ball. And he's really technically sound with his feet. So like in pass protection, he gets out there and he gets boom, boom, two kicks, three steps in before the edge rusher can get his second step in the ground. Sometimes while they're getting their first step in the ground or right as that first step hits for the edge guy, he's already where he needs to be. So that's something you can't teach, but he gave up three sacks in the game I watched because his hands were really bad (laughs) and Maryland teaches them two-hand punch. That's really old school, and it gets smoked by defensive line techniques today. The only guy I can think of that succeeded as a two-hand puncher in the league was Riley Reef, uh, and that was hard for him. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's a two-hand punching. He doesn't need to. He's long enough to play with independent hands. It's just there's so much that is that scares you. But if you feel really confident about your offensive line development, this guy probably has the highest ceiling out of anybody that can go at pick 28 just because he's so athletic and he's not small. I know he weighed in under 300 pounds for the senior bowl, but I think he was 
probably around 305, 310 when he played. And then Maryland listed him at 320. So I think he was fluctuating a bit. And then he tried to drop weight to move well at the senior bowl. And then he drops too much weight, but he looks better at the senior bowl because his hands look much better. So he's really interesting. I found him really interesting. And Bengals fans, I think, and fans around the NFL, not just Bengals fans thing, I think because of the PFF mocks and everything else, they think you can get him in the third round and he's your project. I think he goes much earlier. I don't think he makes it to pick 60 personally. So I don't think I can, you can even take him in the second round, but I think somebody's going to fall in love. Uh, coaches, what their favorite saying with a guy is probably, I could fix that. So somebody's going to say that. And is it Cincy? I don't know. I don't know if I'd feel confident, but I, I have enough PTSD and scarring from the Cedric Ogbuehi, which is what this would remind me of. But I think it makes sense if they wanted to try it. Man, that just felt like such a fail of a pick. That was such an unfortunate time. That was the beginning of the end with the offensive line, unfortunately for Stead. And then he went on. I think he got paid with Seattle. So credit He's still to- playing. It's wild. And Bobby Hart. But, yeah, Bobby um, Hart's still going too. Wow. It's crazy times. But I want to go back to your second round because I'm going to make you pick right now. Say Cincinnati, they go cornerback. They go tight in at 28. Mm-hmm. You look at the second round from the tackle position group that you just mentioned. Who would you feel comfortable with if he They're was all there? there? They're all there. They're all there. Oh, if Broderick Jones somehow fell to this pick six. No, 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 Broderick, oh. not, not, him, not him. Sorry, sorry, so sorry. Oh, just Let's... a second round grade, guys. Just yeah, second round, round grade, guys. Sorry. Oh, man. It's going to depend on what they do in free agency because if they don't really have a solid right tackle, like if they go out and buy a high end right tackle, I'm not interested in Dewan Jones or um, Darnell Wright. But if they don't, and they're either banking on Law Collins to come back, and then they they just get a Billy Turner type. I'm okay going Darnell right there and going high floor just because of the Bengals' history of drafting developing these guys. I almost would rather get the high floor guy or Dewan Jones. They're almost the same grade for me. Um, I think Wright's a tiny bit more polished, so that's something that would benefit Dewan Jones a little bit more potential because he's so long. So that that's what I, I I'd go with one of those two. But if you do have right tackle figured out, say you pay up even a little bit and just grab uh, Isaiah Wynn. And you're probably not benching Isaiah Wynn when you pay him $9 million or something like that. I might look at one of the, at Anton Harrison and Jalen Duncan, even though they're the lower floor guys, because they do get that chance to sit a year. It's a second round pick. So I'm not going to feel as bad about using pick 28 on those guys, but I also don't think any of these guys fall to pick 60. So, uh, and I don't think it's a deep class at offensive tackle, and I've heard it's a very shallow class at guard. So if you get an offensive lineman, I feel like you take them early. I know people are probably yelling, what about Cody Motch, the guy from North Dakota State? I have heard many evaluators that I trust say he's a guard, and I almost think, like, I think they're just rolling with the interior offensive line they have, even mm-hmm. though we have talked about how we might look at some guys. I don't I don't think they are. I think you think back to all the guys that got a second year. Billy Price got a second year. Michael Jordan got a second year. Russell Bodine had like five years. And look, Cordell Volson was better than all those guys. His rookie he year. So he's going to get another year, I think. Like I, I almost find it pointless to go through there and watch Osiris Torrance or watch uh, Steve Avila or watch Cody Motch just because I'm like, well, I know what they're going to do. They're going to roll with Cordell Volson. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that's fine. I think he played well outside of where you would expect. I think he was – if he's your fifth best offensive lineman, you are in a good spot. And I think they were in a pretty good spot. Uh, I wouldn't even say he was the fifth. I, I would say he was better than the right tackle most of the year. So at least more consistent. 
So that's um, that's where I am on the interior, the guys, just to mention that. I don't know if I'm going to watch them. Maybe I will if if I get through the corners, which I hear is a very deep class. So, uh, yeah, I would probably pick the right tackles if free agency doesn't have that figured out. But if you do bring in a guy that's costs at least six million or so, you know, a guy you expect to be the starter at right tackle, I might go take a swing at the potential guys. I, I might take the swing at Harrison or Duncan just because the potential there is just so high. And it is hard to find left tackles outside of the draft. It they use you don't get a Tron Armstead in the free agency pool every year, which is why I banged the table so hard for him last year. And I'm hearing from people that they were actually talking to him. And they're actually close. And injuries or age drove them away and let Miami win that. I just need to know that relationship they have with the saints. And obviously it's with the agent, <laughs> but it's absolutely wild if they were, they would have been able to, to get him too. but I actually kind of want to go more around the NFL. A lot of players getting released, how it fits in with Cincinnati and a little more with some offensive line left tackle replacements that some people say for Jonah Williams next on it's always game day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's that time of year, players getting released from other teams, free agency two weeks away. I am so pumped about it, even though I'm a fan of draft before free agency, but that's never going to happen in the NFL. <laughs> Every other uh, sport. It would be so it would it would make all the sense in the world if if we had that first but i'm excited i can't believe we're two weeks away from all the craziness what's going to happen in cincinnati will they bring von bell hayden hearse what's going to happen for the internal free agents but i've said it before it, one of my least favorite things about this time of year is when like a player position group gets released and you hear oh he's going to come to cincinnati jalen ramsey's going to come to cincinnati i think he has the third best odds to come to cincinnati right now which is absolutely insane and i don't see that happening so we're going to start with jalen ramsey i'm just going to throw him out there can you, can you talk some Bengals fans off the ledge that he's he isn't coming to cincinnati he's not coming to cincinnati um i don't think they're going to trade what would be needed for him unless it's like a fourth round pick or a player i don't know who they would trade player wise though i mean <clears throat> I was trying to even think of like an idea and I'm just like, I, yeah. I got nothing. Like there's guys I think would make sense if I wanted to do that trade, but I don't think the Bengals would do that. Like would I send Sam Hubbard to LA to get no. Ramsey? I probably would. I don't know. No, 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 <laughs> but no. I don't think the Bengals will. So you win. <laughs> I, I, I think Ramsey's think... still very good. That's where, I, that's where I am. I think if they did it, I would praise it. Like, I think he's still one of the best corners in the league, even though he had a little bit of an off year. I think everybody in L.A. didn't care. Yeah, they like, <laughs> we got a ring. We're good. The only guy that was trying hard out there was Cooper Cup, and he got hurt doing it. <laughs> so it's like, Allen Robinson's just stealing paychecks. You know? He's like, this all cash is just the same every week. I'm <laughs> exactly. good. Matt Stafford, unfortunately, was dealing with concussions. But overall, um, yeah, that's just another guy out there. And I was really surprised to see Cincinnati as, as a favorite team. Bobby Wagner, too. I don't know what's with this L.A. to Cincinnati pipeline. We got. I would rather Ramsey than Wagner. What would you rather have? Yeah, if I had to choose, 100%. But could you imagine Jalen on this team? Somebody brought up trading for um, Carlton Davis. And in my mind, that's never happening. But either Ramsey or Davis, I think they'd have to be 
in the complete opposite part of the locker room from Jamar Chase. <laughs> I mean, it would be. <laughs> because those are the two guys I think that have had the most. Well, Ramsey was very respectful about it, though. I, I will say, I think he was saying, like, yeah, Jamar Chase, he's a really good player. Carlton Davis, it felt like there was no real respect. Chase was like, yeah, he held me the whole time. <laughs> I, was like, I respect it. I respect it. If he was on the team, I don't know if I want those lockers close together. I think they'd get over it, and it's a really strong culture. But it would just be – I would pay to see the first few practices of those types going at it with Jamar Chase. The last time I was in the locker room, I can confirm that most of the position groups are all together, and the wide receiver room is in the front, and the secondary would be in the, in back. the back. So they would be on separate <laughs> separate sides of the locker room. And I don't think it's changed when it comes to position groups, but I agree. It would be great for the media. They would love that, but uh, but I don't see that happening. I'm going to move on to left tackle. Here's the thing. We've said it before on this podcast. Jonah Williams will be the starting left tackle. I feel very strongly that Jonah Williams will be the starting left tackle going into the 2023 season. When free agents become available, they're getting released from teams. Taylor Lewan is one that's being uh, brought up. There's an edit. He likes it. He retweeted it. It's free agency time in the NFL. And Bengals fans are like, yes, replace Jonah Williams with this guy who's injury prone, just like Jonah Williams. Um, More injury prone Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams didn't miss that many games the past couple of years. Yeah, and he's getting, getting a little older. So personally, I would rather roll with Jonah Williams. What do you think about Taylor in Cincinnati? Uh, Taylor Lewan at his peak is what I thought Jonah Williams ceiling was, but I don't think he's at that peak anymore. Now, is he, if he's healthy, he might be an upgrade, but you're going to be paying a bit for it unless he really wants to play here and is really going to take the discount and all that. Jonah Williams, you have to pay the $13 million. I guess if you trade him, you don't have to pay that. Like, I think that's the one way out. If you cut him, you pay $13 million either way, so there's no point in cutting him. But if you trade him, I think you don't have to pay that. You're probably not going to get good value for it. You might even get a better comp pick next year than you would for trying to trade him this year because he's an average left tackle to me. And I think the NFL will see the high draft pick. They'll see his fairly okay level of play and pay the guy. You see that constantly. Um, So I think in a vacuum, it's not a terrible idea to bring him in and, you know, let him compete for the left tackle job. I just think you're going to be paying too much money at the left tackle. One of those guys is going to be like a $13 million backup. And that is, that's a lot of cash for that. So I'm not really into bringing him in and letting him play unless he is willing to take the ring chasing. I want to be in Cincinnati discount. In which case, if he's like $6 million, he's probably a better swing tackle than you can find anywhere else. And he's not going to get hurt doing that. Um, and then if he wins the job and starts, Cool. He's probably going to play at his above average to good level. Um, But he's been so injured and I have no idea how he's going to play. So he's a really big question mark. I have mild interest, I think is what I would say, but I don't expect anything to happen. And I just think Jonah's going to start week one, unless there's something. This is the case that I guess you could make is that he comes here for $3 million or something. And he's just like, I want to play. I want to play here. I want to protect Joe Burrow. I want to win a ring. So I'm going to, you know, I know you guys got to pay these guys, so I'm going to come in cheap and wins the job outright. That's, I guess, the scenario is such a low chance of happening. And I think some people think Jenna Williams is the worst offensive tackle or left tackle in the entire NFL because he led the league in sacks. And I would say consult any other statistic and he's around league average. Even his injury year this year, he was around league average. Like 
he allowed less pressures and had a lower pressure rate allowed than Orlando Brown, who's going to make $25 million a year. I know no. pressures aren't sacks, but it tells you. It tells you that I think he got unlucky, and I think he loses badly at times, but he's about an average left tackle. I hope Jonah Williams is getting paid next offseason, and maybe it isn't in Cincinnati, but it's somewhere else. But that would mean that he had a great 2023 season, and Cincinnati is a left tackle. And I think that's where they're going to roll unless they did, you know, they, they do find a, a trade partner. You, you know, when you look at some of the tackle positions and, and teams releasing players, do you see any other guys available right now? It'll get wild in the next 11 to 14 days of, of different teams releasing players, maybe not on the offensive line, but any other tackle positions out there that you would have interest in. So Donovan Smith just got released from the Bucks. I have interest. I had more interest before I found out he dropped off this year. <laughs> like he was pretty good in 2020 and 2021 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at left tackle. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's a clear upgrade if you can make it happen to me. And he's not injured. He's played like 98% of the snaps the past like three years. But this past year, I've heard from multiple sources that are either watching every Bucks game or watch a lot of offensive line film that he kind of fell off. And he's around that age where that might be age-related. It might not be injury-related. It might not be an exterior factor. It might be he's declined athletically, and now he doesn't get out there as well. And I've heard better run blocker than pass blocker now. And I'm like, well, presidency, that doesn't make it – like. I think the run blocking run blocking is important, but I think tackles are asked for more asked Cincinnati asks more out of their tackles and pass protection than a lot of teams. And you have to probably be at least a solid to good pass protector to make it because that's what I think Jonah Williams is. And he allowed the league lead in sacks. He has a tough job. So I don't know if I'm that interested now after learning all that, but can make a heck of a swing tackle if he wants to come cheap. Similar to Luan, I guess, except he shouldn't be injured. So that's interesting. Guy I keep watching, and maybe he just retires, maybe he wants to play, is Tyron Smith. I think that is he can play left or right tackle, and I think he's a big upgrade over anybody. Um, he's a little bit injury prone. You probably want to keep Jonah if you sign him, which that's a lot of money. But him, him and Luan, you want to keep Jonah, Donovan Smith, you could trade Jonah if you have the capabilities, but yeah, Tyron Smith is the guy I'm watching for because I don't know if Dallas wants to keep that. They have their left tackle. I think they think they have their left tackle of the future in Tyler Smith, even if some people think he might be a left guard. So do you pay a premium because right tackle doesn't cost as much. Lyle Collins at $7 million a year is in the top 10 cap hits for right tackle. So do you want to pay him that to be a right tackle? Probably not. This, also, you have Terrence Steele over there who you feel good about and you let Lyle Collins go for him. You're running out of space for a guy that's going to make a lot of money. So does he get cut? Does he just retire? Because he's been injured. But does he want to play another year or two? Does he want to chase for a ring? Something he doesn't have being in Dallas his whole career. I'd be interested. If I'm Cincinnati and I see Tyrone Smith is cut, I am making a call, especially because guys that are cut don't affect your comp picks. So you still get your third for Jesse Bates and your I don't know, fourth for Jermaine Pratt. We don't know what these guys are going to make and what the comp pick will be, but that would be what I would kind of, in my mind, think I would get back. And uh, these guys don't affect that. 
Yeah, one of the things, uh, obviously, listening to Duke Tobin earlier and Zach Taylor, they they talked about the offensive line. They were asked about it. They felt pretty good with the way the offensive line looked from the majority of the season. I think if you know you had those three guys that were injured, it would look a little different in the AFC Championship game. So those injuries happen at a really bad time for them, and they seem to be okay with what the offensive line looked like and and you know you know free agent depth. But at the same time, I think it's extremely important. And maybe you are having conversations when free agency gets here with guys who are you know they they just were released or um a, a free agent guy who doesn't have a team yet and you say hey you want to come on this team we went to the super bowl we went to the afc championship game we have joe burrow as the quarterback do you want to come protect him and maybe you get a little discount with having joe burrow as your quarterback but i don't i don't know what the offensive line room looks like and i would still say that you know right tackle is the biggest question mark for me personally mm-hmm. and yeah i want jonah to play better next year i'm i'm not okay with just okay, just an okay offensive lineman at left tackle. I want him to be the Jonah Williams. I think a lot of people, you know, going back to his draft day, I don't know if you, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but how did you feel about them taking Jonah? I didn't really watch back then. I've only watched like the past three years, yeah. but I felt fine about it. Like I remember watching and I'm like, sure. Like I heard, like I, I wasn't like completely in the dark or anything, but I remember hearing, it's a weak tackle class. He's the best tackle. Um, he's a pe- better pass protector than he's a run blocker. Uh, he's short arms. Some people said he could, should move to guard, but a lot of smart people I said, I listened to said, stay at tackle. The, the guard thing doesn't always make sense. So uh, I think he's basically lived up to it. Short arms loses the power sometimes and can lose to an inside move now and again, but he's got good feet, stays in good position He's an okay athlete, not a great athlete. It was just kind of a not a great year to take the first tackle. If you look at other years, the first tackle usually has a higher pedigree than that. But championship left tackle for the Crimson Tide could play right tackle. I don't think he can anymore. Like that's so far gone. Like seven years ago, I think was when he played right tackle. So I don't know if I would ask that of him. But yeah, I remember being fine about it. Like I, I wasn't upset about it. I, I remember like, yeah, sure. I wanted Devin White in that draft. I remember, even though I didn't watch anybody, I just remember going like, that guy's good. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Who would you rather have, Devin White or Jonah Williams? I just want Jonah Williams to be healthy and, and play a little better. He was pretty good in 2021. I think we forget that. We do. We do forget it. And and what do you think? Do you think it, it is the sack numbers for people when they yeah. when they get down on him? Yeah, absolutely. Because you just go to pff.com, you put in Jonah Williams, ignore that he has an okay, not great grade. It's not like a 20 in there, but you know, it's like a 60. So it's like orange, <laughs> orange, kind of bad. And then you see sacks, T1. So he's tied for first and sacks given up. I think that's what they see, and they go, he stinks. That's the only thing that matters is sacks given up. And I get it because one of the best offensive tackles in the league isn't going to give up that many sacks. But can an average offensive tackle battling through an injury give up that many sacks? Sure. And is it unlucky? Is he the guy that gives up the sack for whatever reason when a play breaks down and it's not really on the offensive line? Yes. So that's, I think, where it comes from. But to me – he still played – he might have been a little bit below average, but he wasn't bad. And I think we forget he was pretty good in 2021, and he was okay in 2020. This, to me, 
he started slow, got hurt, and I think that's the story of the season for him. So can he be healthy and can he start fast this year? Can he not give up two sacks to Alex Highsmith in week one? Like that would be the big one to me. It's like, can you start off with a bang? Because so much of our impression of these players seems to be what they do early. Even though this team made a run to the conference championship, I think everybody's image of Jonah Williams is giving up sacks to Alex Highsmith. And everybody's image of Joe Mixon is, you know, falling down in the first four weeks. And everybody's image of, other than Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, everybody's image is the Falcons game where he threw for a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. But, you know, like when they don't have a good opinion about a guy, I feel like that image comes in their mind of the first like couple weeks, even if they got better. Maybe Jonah is a, he plays better during odd years. And it's <laughs> so what you got to find a guy that can cover for him <laughs> two years from now. Well, hey, you only have him for this next year. That's true. So maybe this is it. Maybe Jonah Williams can go. You know what? I hope this team wins a Super Bowl ring for Jonah Williams. Maybe you'll be a, maybe you'll be a Michael Johnson. You know, he leaves on a decent deal. They sign him and he stinks because it's an odd year. And then the Cincinnati's like, you can come back. And then he plays great because it's an even year. <laughs> It's 2025. I think the Super Bowl is in New Orleans that year. So <laughs> it makes the perfect sense. Oh, uh, no. Now we're just dreaming. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not down on Jonah. You know, I want him to play better, of course. I want the offensive line as a whole to play better. Uh, but, no, great stuff. I, I love the breakdowns when it comes to the tackle position. I know you're busy on all Bengals. What's over there? Uh, so I just had an article on Zach Charbonnet, who's my, sec- who's my favorite second-round running back, I think. Big. And the reason I love him – is uh reminds me of cedric benson uh and i love cedric benson i i don't want to make you feel old but i wore 32 in middle school basketball because i was like i want to be cedric benson i think it was in high school um but but cedric uh rest in peace cedric one of um... that too that was that was really sad um but yeah but what do you think of cedric benson is like big bruiser surprisingly a little nimble and can catch the ball a little bit those things are like the surprising thing it's like he can actually catch a little bit he can he's a little nimble and that's why he was such a high draft pick he went like four overall to the bears nobody remembers that so like when i called him the cedric benson i feel like if a bears fan read that he go oh he thinks he's a bust or if a packers fan read that who they paid him after he left this night they go like i don't want that but for a Bengals fan you're probably reading that and going ah yeah i like said <laughs> all good memories um i want to say he had a really good game against the bears when he was oh my goodness i listen my memory he had like four touchdowns and then was it did he play i'm on a boat after or is it I, remember. I don't remember but it was like a fun choice of song that he was celebrating too and that game felt so personal to him that was one of the first revenge games that really felt like a revenge game mm-hmm. that i've seen yeah no said was a good one make sure you're checking that out all Bengals. you can follow mike over on twitter Bengals underscore sands just great breakdowns going into the combine free agency nfl draft you can follow our podcast it's always game day in cincinnati you can follow me at ellen diaz patterson and thank you for listening to it's always game day in cincinnati